Hey everybody, welcome to church. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at Trinity, and I want to say to you, Merry Christmas. Yes, that's right, Merry Christmas. We know it's the 27th of December, and yet I want to remind you that Christmas is a season. It's not just a day. See, I grew up in a home where Christmas, like Easter, was just one day. It came and went, but I want to say Christmas lasts 12 days. That song you heard from your childhood, the 12 days of Christmas, it's not just a clever song. It's actually a way for us to live into a season. So I want to call you to embrace Christmas for the entire season, all 12 days. Y'all, the mystery of God coming close to us, of Emmanuel, Jesus, entering the darkness of a human situation is such a big idea that it takes more than one day to wrap your heart and head around it. So let's lean into the Christmas season. Keep those Christmas trees up as long as you can get away with it. And we'll celebrate the fact that Jesus has come to us during this season. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Luke 2. We're going to read a long passage, but this is a passage that I think is actually really, really important because it gives us a snapshot into Jesus's very early life. I'll read, then we'll pray, and then we're going to try to think some deep thoughts together concerning the Word of God. After eight days had passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when his parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray and then let's try to sit here and hear the Lord in this text. God, we pray that you would give us grace to be present today. God, with all that's going on in our world and in our hearts and probably the fatigue after Christmas Day, we pray that you would give us grace to be still, to think about you, Jesus, to be the kinds of people who look for you and find you and experience you, just like Simeon and Anna. 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I want to say Happy New Year, almost. Uh, For many of us, most all of us, we're really looking forward probably to putting 2020 behind us. I know I am. And my prayer and my hope for you and for me is that 2021 will be lighter and brighter than 2020. It's time to turn the calendar on a new year. Uh, We're all probably looking forward to this season being behind us. I'm going to share just a few things in this passage. Um, Just trying to walk through and see some of the things that the Lord would have us see. And we're just going to reflect together. Going to ask some questions about the text. The first thing I think that you and me are meant to see that we probably might miss if we don't know a little bit about some biblical context is this. This is ultimately about a poor family traveling to Jerusalem. Jesus did not grow up in a wealthy home. Jesus did not grow up um, without having to have parents who worried about ends meeting, food on the table and provision. These were things they had to think about and maybe at times work hard and be creative to solve problems. You know how we know that? We know that because of the gift that they brought. Jesus taken from the country to Jerusalem for his dedication, his consecration. They offered two birds. And we're told in uh, the book of of Leviticus chapter 12 that the appropriate gift would be a lamb. But there were provisions made for people who couldn't afford a lamb. They could bring two birds. It was the offering of the poor that Jesus' family brought. And I've been thinking about Mary and Joseph and Jesus coming to Jerusalem from the countryside. And my mind, nostalgically, I, our kids have been home over the holidays and we have two young adult daughters and a, and a son who's in high school. And our oldest, Maddie, uh, she was born when we lived in England and we lived in rural England. And I remember after, shortly after her birth, when she was a, a wee little lady, we had to take her on the train to London, to the embassy in London, to have her registered as an American citizen. And I'll never forget how terrified Karen and I were putting our small child uh, in our arms and traveling into the massive city of London in order to make her a legitimate American citizen. In some small way, I think I can identify with probably what Mary and Joseph felt. But the stakes were so high for them. Here they are, country people, poor people, and yet they're holding a miracle baby. They're holding a baby who is more special than anybody could have ever imagined. And my mind goes to Mary clutching Jesus at her breast and the the busy hubbub of the city of Jerusalem. And, you know, Jesus did not have a halo glowing around his head. There was nothing about him that would have drawn people to him, Um, to everyone looking Except for Simeon and Anna, Mary and Joseph and Jesus were just another country family coming to the city to do what religious people did, to dedicate their child to the Lord. They would have been easy to overlook, probably wearing ragtag clothes. They would have been people who were not elite. And I think right now, maybe more than ever before, we need to remember that Jesus did not grow up in an elite family. Jesus grew up in a very normal family, but normal in first century Israel didn't mean middle class. Normal meant poor, normal meant eking out a living. Y'all, Jesus knows what it means to rub two pennies together and hope something good would happen. 
Jesus grew up in a family where um, creative solutions had to be engaged in order just to get by. And I can't quite tell you why that hits me in such a powerful and profound way, why that does something to my heart, but it does. I think what it means is that when God said Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, he didn't just mean God with us in the happy moments. He meant God with us in the nitty-gritty, the pain of life. So if you feel poor in spirit or poor, period, Jesus knows you. He is with you. And that is so important. The second thing I think we're meant to see in this passage is that while most of the people ignored Jesus and walked right past Mary, Anna and Simeon embody the call to follow and look for Jesus. These two religious people, these devout people, these aged people in the temple um, led by the Holy Spirit, they see Jesus. They see him not because he has a halo, not because he's got a glow about him. They see him because they have eyes to see him. And this has got me to thinking, are we looking for Jesus? See, everybody around was probably hoping that a Messiah, a Savior, would be a ready-made liberator, uh, that the, the Savior would be some sort of politician or a warrior. And yet Anna and Simeon, they actually have eyes to notice Jesus. And I just want to ask you this question. Do you have eyes to notice him or are you just super busy? Too often, I think we're just super busy. We're distracted. And maybe we're looking for someone else, something else to make us feel better. Well, Anna and Simeon have eyes to see Jesus. And as I've been thinking about them, a couple of things come to mind. And these are not going to be in the slides. I actually just want you to really pay attention to these three things because this feels really important to me. And I hope these will be significant for you. It's my conviction that Anna and Simeon see Jesus and recognize him in infancy because three things were at play in their lives. Both of these people had a sense of priority and had created space in their life. They knew what was most important to them. There was a sense of ordering. And it's a misnomer that you can have more than one priority. Priority means something is most important. And for Anna and Simeon, what was most important for them was to find the one who would console and redeem but not only was important, they'd created space. And I just want to ask you, now is a time as you stand at the threshold of a new year to say what's most important and will I create space for that which is important in my life? The second thing I think we're meant to see about Anna and Simeon is that it, they both had learned to be sensitive to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, specifically with Simeon in this passage. We, we're told so many things about the Holy Spirit compelling him, the Holy Spirit nudging him, the Holy Spirit speaking to him. I believe that God's calling us to be moved by the Spirit. We've said elsewhere here at Trinity that the Holy Spirit's like a wild goose, that he's the shy person of the Trinity. And without tending to the Spirit, we'll miss so much of what the Spirit would say. Well, Anna and Simeon are sensitive to the Spirit, and I want to call you to endeavor in 2021 to be more and more sensitive to the work of the Spirit. You'll see Jesus when you are. You'll see Jesus when others will miss him. And thirdly, they were both willing to move. I think one of the challenges that many of us have is that we get stuck in our heads and we think a lot of things and we wonder a lot of things. We even learn or worry about things, but we don't move. Anna and Simeon went from 
sitting with the Spirit and making space to moving toward Jesus. And I love the fact that Simeon actually takes Jesus in his arms. He like grabs a baby from um, a nervous mom and he holds the baby. He moved toward Jesus and took hold of him. And there's something about that that I think the Lord wants you and me to be prepared to do. That we got to move toward God and take hold of him. We got to engage in ways that maybe we haven't. And y'all, that's not just something you do in your head. That's something you do with your whole life. But it doesn't end there. This story reminds us that um, Jesus would one day suffer. The third movement in this passage is Jesus suffers. Jesus will suffer. And that should matter for you and for me. Here during the Christmas season, we sit with the baby Jesus. And we hear that one day he'll suffer. And that doesn't feel very Christmassy. But there it is at the very beginning of the story when Jesus is 40 days old, an infant, Simeon takes him in his hands and then looks at Mary, the woman who loved him most, the first devoted disciple of Jesus, the one who had made room for him in her womb. And he says, a sword will pierce your own soul. This child will be a sign that will be opposed. Now, how would you like hearing that about your baby? These words spoken over the infant Christ say something to us about the purpose of Jesus. And you know what that means for me? Do you know why I think that's a Christmas message for you and me? It may not feel like it, but it is. For this reason, Jesus, from the very beginning, was not going to stand apart from us in our misery. Jesus, from his infancy, was destined to enter into your suffering and show you how to do it redemptively. The fact that he would suffer means that Jesus doesn't shrink back from pain and he can teach you and me how to engage the pain of our own lives in ways that are courageous and bold and redemptive. I believe that one of the fundamental things that we receive from Jesus that we might be invited to receive from him today even is the ability to face difficulty. And y'all, we are in the middle of the difficult time. The ability to face difficulty without running away, and without losing sight of God. That's what Jesus teaches us here at 40 days old. And finally, we're told that Jesus goes home and he grows up. And I love the fact that this passage ends by saying Mary and Joseph took him home and they lived in Nazareth. They went back to redneck Israel. They went back to where poor people lived in a little fishing village in Galilee. And Jesus grows up and the text says, almost as an afterthought, he was filled with grace and with wisdom. One day he would become the man that we would recognize on the cross. One day he would become the man who would feed the multitudes and walk on the water. But here he grows up. And as I think about this year and I think about the Christmas season and I think about what it means for God to come close to you and to me, what I think about here is that Jesus must grow up in me. This is what Paul meant when he said, may Christ be formed in you. Would Christ Jesus grow in you and take up more and more space? There's an invitation for you and me, for us to make room for Jesus. And I believe that that's the best way we can honor him during this Christmas season. So I have a few questions for our consideration. And if you are in a group watching church at home, this is a great time to uh, pause and take a picture of the questions. Talk about them among yourselves. If you are on your own, this is a great place and a way to journal to maybe think through some things that would help us respond. Here, here are three for our consideration. What does it mean 
to you to hear that Jesus grew up in a poor family. I think that's important for us to think about. Secondly, where might God be inviting you to have eyes like Simeon and Anna? Eyes that recognize Jesus even when his work seems really small around you or in you. And thirdly, how might Jesus' suffering help you face your own suffering? I believe those three questions will help us really process and internalize and maybe apply some truth today. And now we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. We're going to pray as Jesus taught us to pray before we turn you loose to go on your way. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. We are so thankful to have you join us. And just as a reminder, if you're worshiping at home and not in our parking lot, you can come during the week and pick up communion kits. We want you to continue receiving communion as a family or a group of friends or on your own. God bless you. We will see you when we can see you. Amen.